You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Hello, friends. Welcome to this tradition unlike any... What's up, everybody? That tradition, like any other, is back. It is officially Masters Week. There's snow on the ground, um, but we're here. We're back. It's been roughly 18 months since since Tiger Woods hosted that, well, wore that green jacket (laughs) last April, but now we're back. It's going to be a totally different Masters, and as you could probably tell by the intro, that's what we're going to talk about today. I am here. Uh, first of all, this is Big Drive Energy, obviously. I'm here with Mitchell, my co-host, Yo. and uh, we have a special guest for you today, friend of the program. Uh, he's he's really our third golfer now. We're just kind of looking for that constant fourth. We get to play golf with him. I probably played golf with him more than anybody else this entire year. RK, Ryan Konigsberg. What's up, buddy? What's up, boys? I feel like it's been a while since I've been on a good little little episode of BDE. It, it has been a good... It has been a while. Um, before we get into... Our master's talk, there's a few things we got to get to first. So this week we are doing a contest and we need your guys' help right now. For this week, we're having a contest against all the other DNVR podcasts to see who can get the most DNVR memberships sold. Ryan's been chirping that the Broncos is going to beat everybody else. Um, we Mitchell, Mitchell and I are pushing this. We need to get those those sold. So you guys... It's uh, For those of you guys that don't know, DNVR is not just a podcast network. We also offer best online sports publication for Denver sports fans in the entire world. That is facts. Yep. Great facts. That's not an opinion. We, it gives you, membership gives you access to stories on the site, discounts every single week on merchandise, discounts on other sort of things like Strava Craft Coffee, and access to our member-only chat room for diehard fans and even bigger beers at the bar and who could not go for bigger beers. So if you sign up this week using the code GOLF, simple, G-O-L-F, you get a free t-shirt of your choice from the DNVR locker, a free mask, and you get a free sticker pack with your order. So just go to the dnvr.com and click the join tab, select the annual pass, make sure you use that code GOLF when you sign up so our fan base gets credit for it. Relating also to golf, we've got the WGT. Um, we got the WGT Master Misters. Um, <laughs> we we are just like, this, is how we, this is how we roll at DNVR. We just take the vowels out and make it our own. So, starting this Friday, uh, November fifteenth through Sunday, we're hosting the DNVR Misters. <laughs> All country clubs can participate, and anybody can win. So all you have to do is join the DNVR three country club. That's the one I'm in big drive Spence. That's uh, I did not do very well this last week in the election open, but masters is a whole new week. And so 
play the close to the whole challenge at Pinehurst Pinehurt Golf Club and submit your screenshot to our pinned Twitter thread at DNVR underscore sports or email us at info at the DNVR.com. Once you have entered to win, we will choose a random winner each week to pick out a DNVR shirt and we'll ship it right to you. So we're going to be hosting a new one of these every week leading up till Christmas. Winners are picked every Monday. You've got nothing to lose. So download WGT today. Join DNVR 3 Country Club, head to Pinehurst, and get close to the pin on all 18 holes. Enter your screenshot, and bam, you're in. So, also, uh, we wanted to apologize for the lower-than-normal audio quality on this one. We are streaming this. Um, 2020's got us all messed up in all sorts of ways. So, just wanted to let you guys know that from the start. So, all right, let's get into some Masters talk, boys. Um, I just wanted to quickly say I also struggled in the election open, but... uh, if you only count my legal strokes, I won by a lot. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Stop the count. Stop the count. Exactly. That's what I say whenever I, whenever I get over a double bogey. <laughs> just stop the count. We're done here. We're stop. done here. Exactly. Write it down and move on. Yep. That's a six. See ya. All right, boys. So, uh, let's, we're going to get into a few things today about how the Masters is going to be different, how it's going to be the same player-wise, who we expect to win. We'll give you guys some high-quality picks at the end. I've been home all day doing nothing but watching Masters coverage, doing research, so I feel like I got some solid winners locked down for you guys. Um, but first, we had something normal today uh, in the Masters, other than the fact that this is in November. The Masters Champions Dinner was tonight, hosted by... One, none other than Eldrick Woods. And what was on the menu for the Masters Club dinner tonight was he started out with the the Augusta Rolls. So this big sushi guy, it sounds like. Tigers had sushi at most of his dinners. Uh, tempura, spicy shrimp, tuna, avocado, eel sauce, and tempura flakes with pickled oh, ginger, wasabi, so and soy sauce. Oh man! And then he went to a prime rib steak and chicken fajitas with some grilled vegetables and then had a dessert trio of flan, Churros with chocolate sauce and sopapillas. So I know I like food a lot. One thing I wanted to ask you guys, let's get into some food talk. What if you were the Masters champion and had a dinner like like they do every Wednesday night, which uh, what would you what would your pick be for dinner? RK, let's start with you. Okay. well, first of all, we need to talk about uh, Eldrick's choices here. In a vacuum, each and every one of these things is delicious. But why are we having sushi and fajitas in the same meal with churros and flan and, and sopapillas? Like, why couldn't we just stay on the Mexican trend throughout the entire say, Like, starting with the quite, roll makes no sense. Quite the jump from, like, Asian, Japanese, whatever, in, straight into Mexican food. And then you go churros, sopapillas. Like, that's – I don't know what kind of weird shit Tiger's into, but I'm not, <laughs> I'm not down for that, whatever it is. Well, Tiger is half Asian, I believe, so maybe that's where the uh, the but then sushi straight comes to the Mexican from. food, just out of left field. Yeah, I don't know where he was. Just maybe he was feeling fajitas, or maybe he's trying to give the rest of the field, the rest of the champions, a stomach ache for the rest of the week. Yeah, this is like you can only have this meal at like Cheesecake Factory or like one of those places that has like a twenty-seven page menu. Yeah, just exactly. A big melting pot. <laughs> Flip through yeah. it and try to find out what what sounds the best to you in that moment, even though altogether it doesn't make any sense. So to answer your question, I think, man, I would either go with sushi, which is one of my favorite meals. Uh, Sushi, interestingly enough, tacos of some sort, or just straight barbecue across the, uh, across the board. And I feel like being in like the South, I might want to go with the barbecue vibe and just have like some delicious barbecue. I personally prefer Kansas City barbecue over uh, other options, but really any any barbecue, you know, you go with like some brisket, uh, some cornbread, uh, get some like some amazing beans in there and then maybe some burnt ends. I feel like everyone would appreciate that. Oh, yeah. The only good thing from Kansas City is by far the barbecue, not the cheese. I, I was going to say the same thing. We, we don't speak of Kansas City unless they're talking about their food. Yep, it's true. It's true. Um, it's You know what? It, I, I hate to give credit to Kansas City, but the city itself actually isn't isn't half bad. 
the experience yeah. we had when we went there was a hair different. Um, but you know, <laughs> it's it's all in the experience for each person. So uh, I guess we can leave it at that. All right, but Ryan. Before we finish, what is your dessert? Oh, dessert. That's the best part. Man, I I don't know, like. I'm a huge ice cream for dessert guy. So maybe I just go with like a sick ice cream bar for everyone. Oh, I like it. I like that style. You just a straight ice cream buffet type of deal. Yeah, exactly. Like or, yeah. Or I would go with, um, strawberry rhubarb pie a la mode. Oh, strawberry rhubarb. That is a great choice. Our mom makes a fire strawberry rhubarb pie. We're going to have to get her to make one of those. Yes, please. <laughs> that is a a solid dish all right mitchell your master's dinner so i think i'd probably go all out like spare no expense i go with some japanese wagyu beef um i'd go probably uh the the big tomahawk wagyu uh japanese steaks probably throw some lobster on there some like uh throw some lobster tails crab legs um, big surf and turf guy. Love everything that has to offer. Um, appetizer, I'd probably go sushi. I love like one sushi roll as an appetizer is great. I always do that at PF Chang's. That is my go to appetizer is just a roll of sushi. Um, so then I go sushi and then I go surf and turf, but like like the top end Japanese steaks. Like I don't know if you guys heard Brooks Capcom talk about actual japanese wagyu beef but he said nothing in america could possibly hold a candle to it like he got so spoiled over there that he can hardly eat a steak in the u.s now so really and well so here's a quick uh fun fact for you the way they um the way wagyu cows are raised is they're fed corn and beer I'm not kidding you. The, the cows consume beer, and then they each cow has their own personal massager. Their masseuse, excuse me, massager, masseuse that literally works the fat into their body, like marbles it into their body. So if you ever see a, a cut of wagyu beef and it's super marble the fat, that's why it is because somebody physically massaged it into the meat. So it's it's definitely top end stuff. <laughs> it's 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 not cheap. There's my fun fact for the day. We're, we're supposed to be talking golf, and I'm talking beef here. But uh, yeah, I'm not gonna lie. I didn't know starting this podcast that we get a lesson on meat being massaged. <laughs> but nothing like a good meat massage. Yeah. <laughs> Big drive no energy always takes there. a fun turn, no matter where we go. They spare no expense over there. And then okay, so uh, dessert. My favorite, my personal favorite is like cheesecake. So just, uh, oh, did I take your Spencer? You literally took mine right from my mouth. Mine was basically a surf and turf plate with like different types of little fillets with like fillet with uh, some lobster on top and then definitely cheesecake for dessert. You guys could be related. We could be. That is very true. It's not even fun now. I don't even want to share mine anymore. (laughs) Well, you just did. So, are you guys just going standard cheesecake? Nothing, no frills. To to me, I just go straight up to King Supers and buy the variety cheesecake. (laughs) You got everybody. Whoever wants the chocolate, the strawberry, the regular New York cheesecake, and then some sort of lemon usually is in there, or banana. I don't know what it is, but those are fire. I take it back. Okay, I'll switch my dessert. I'd make like a giant cookie cake of my face, like ice cream, and then I'd have some artist. I'd pay some artist like 10 G's to make my face out of a giant cookie. And so everybody just remembered who won last year. It's really kind of a dominance, and you're just establishing dominance right out of the gate. I think if you're going for that, you should make the cookie of your ass. And then you can say, and then you can just tell everyone, eat my ass. <laughs> I, that, that would be very, uh, very perfect for the situation. I feel I like bet, that's what Phil would do. I feel like Brooks Kepka yeah. would do that for sure. <laughs> Patrick Reed, definitely. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, Bryson DeChambeau, what do you guys think he would 
here, let's let's go a little hypothetical. What do you think Bryson DeChambeau would have as his master's meal, like uh, appetizer protein shake, um, entree, like two dry chicken breasts and like three Brussels sprouts, and then dessert, another protein shake, or like, you know, I that's kind of the closest thing I could guess. Yeah, he, there'd be no dessert. He'd be cutting everybody off after dinner. No drinks, just straight steaks on steaks, maybe some chicken, potatoes, and some Brussels sprouts. That's about it. Just straight eggs, raw eggs. <laughs> raw egg smoothie for the appetizer. They bring it in a shot glass. It's just a fucking egg yolk. <laughs> just the, they're like, what is, is this some sort of alcohol? No, it's just eggs. That, well, that, that sounds like Bryson. So let's get into this year's Masters and how it's going to be different. So we know that it's going to be in November. And no I've way. also I've been doing some research on, A, how the course is going to play different because there's some questions about that, but also how it's going to be different with no fans. There's going to be uh, obviously no fans there. It's going to be different for the players in a lot of ways because they don't have, A, the distraction of the roars, but B, it's at the same point. They, you know, sometimes I was watching a, an 05 Masters or something like that today, just a replay. And I think it was Patrick Harrington was like, Yeah, I heard the roar from Ernie Ells over on 13. And he's like, I knew Ernie made Bird or Eagle on 13 just by the roar. And so it's going to be interesting this year with no fans. I actually saw something today. Uh, I was listening to the Justin Thomas interview and then the Bryson DeChambeau interview, which we'll get into a little bit, but at the same time, it, I kind of felt bad for all the players today. I saw a Tiger Woods interview, Justin Thomas interview. Every single one of them included a question about Bryson DeChambeau, of mm. course. And I'm like, dude, like I get it. The guys we've talked about it multiple times on this podcast before, but at the same time, let's give it a rest. Just ask them about their game. Ask them like there was a five minute span of Justin Thomas talking about, how he doesn't want to gain 50 pounds and be like Bryson DeChambeau. They were literally asking him <laughs> questions like that. It was like unbelievable. Um, so a few things I found uh, that are going to be different this year is first of all, there's a change to the cut rule. So there used to be, it used to be top fi- uh, since 2013. That was the last time there was a change to the cut rule. cut rule. It used to be top 50 in ties, but then also if you were within 10 strokes of the leader going into Saturday, you may, you got to play on the weekend. So this year, I think with the la- not lack of players, there's still going to be the same amount of players in the field. Moreover, the lack of daylight, um, the timing that they have to get all this in by, there's going to only be basically top 50 in ties. And if whether or not you're within 10 strokes of the leader, you don't don't make the cut. So that'll be a little interesting for some players. They don't necessarily need to look at where the leaders are anymore. If they're right on that cut line, they need to find that top 50 and where that number lies and make a few birdies coming in uh, on Friday night or Friday afternoon in order to make themselves the cut. Um, Something I also saw that's going to be very different this year is, uh, (coughs) excuse me, there obviously is going to be no flowers. There's going to be no azaleas blooming, but they've, uh, they've started teeing off. They're going to tee off both sides this year, 10 and, and one, which is very different from the past. And some people think, well, you have to play all 18 holes and they do this in most PGA events. Normally with these bigger fields, this field's cut down to 93 now with Sergio Garcia withdrawing due to COVID, but teeing off both sides is due to daylight and making sure everybody's getting it in. They've actually added lights on the driving range so that players could hit balls afterwards because most players are going to be done when it's dark. And then if they want to practice afterwards, which a lot of players do, they've added lights to the driving range, but something that is interesting and we can hop into this, you know, based on what you guys have seen hole to hole, but players starting on 10 have a significant disadvantage in this specific tournament because 10, 11, 12 is the hardest three hole stretch according to par. So the lat basically in the history of the masters, all the players have played the, that three hole stretch at, average of 0.88 over par. So basically 88% of the players in those three holes will be one over par. Whereas the first three holes, one is not very easy, but the first three holes are a lot easier than 10, 11, 12. And so it's going to be interesting to see those guys that are starting on 10. They're, uh, they're going to have a tougher stretch to start. And I know tiger for sure is starting on 10 on Thursday. So what do you guys think about the difference of 
uh, the, the split tee times and what it's going to mean for the players and the different holes that they're playing. So personally, I think it kind of depends on the player, the type of player you are, because I know that I'm never really that fast of a starter. So and it doesn't really matter if I'm playing easy holes to start or hard holes to start. If I can get out of the first three holes around you, and obviously I'm not a tour player, but th- I mean, g- this is a real thing. Guys do go through this where some guys statistically are better on the back nine than they are on the front. So I would almost prefer to play the harder nine first. And if I can get through there around even par, I'm sure that's probably what they're looking at at Augusta. If they can get around an even par on that back nine or maybe one under and they can make the turn. Because one, I mean, one isn't super challenging at Augusta. It's more of just the first tee jitters where guys just want to make four and get out of there. So if they can look at number one and they are already nine holes in, they're looking at one differently than they they would have to start the day. So one's almost a birdie hole, I would say. It's it's a par or birdie hole. And then two, you know, like a lot of guys are just getting their legs under them, especially if it's maybe your first Masters or – and I'm sure the awe, like it doesn't matter how many times you play Augusta, I'm sure it, it still kind of gets you wrapped up in just the beauty of it to start and just kind of the magnitude of the situation. So I think being uh, 10 holes in or whatever, going into number two, that's going to be a a really gettable par five. And then there is some more scoring holes on the front nine where you could possibly end up shooting two or three under on that second nine, finishing up at three, four under for the day. So I think it kind of just depends on the type of player you are and, some guys really like starting on one. Some guys really don't mind either way. So I think the guys that have never played in the tournament before really won't know the difference. Um, but guys that are have, are have been in the field for 15, 20 years, I'm sure that'll throw them off a little bit for sure. Yeah, I, I don't know how to how to feel about it. Like if I was playing in the Masters and I started on 10, I would be kind of annoyed. Uh, you <laughs> yeah. know, like you just, this is a, especially if it was your first time playing there, um, which for, you know, some big names it it actually is like, I don't know. There's just something about like, this is one of the few courses that I feel like most golf fans can like imagine in their head. Like you talk about like Pebble Beach or anything like, yeah, you could see a hole here and there in your head. At least I can. Um, but like Augusta, I can almost like walk, like close my eyes and walk the whole course. Uh, and, and you just would always do that from one day, you know, like starting on one. I feel like starting on 10 would just throw off like the vibe of playing at Augusta. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. But you got to think if you're in the final group on Sunday, you know, you're teeing off one. And that's, that's all those guys' goals. So if, well, you're, if, if, if you're where you want to be, then you'll be teeing off one come Sunday morning. Yeah, it's only Thursday and Friday until they make the cut of those top 50 that they have to tee off at 10. Um, But interesting note on Juan, and I'm sure his name will come up again and again, not only in this pod, but maybe every piece of coverage because he is the current favorite at DraftKings Sportsbook. Bryson DeChambeau said he plans on possibly trying to drive number one. And I was watching him hit tee shots today on it, and it's like 335 to carry the right bunker. And he was carrying it fine. And Nick Faldo came out today and said that if he drives number one, Faldo will jump out of the the broadcast booth on the 18th hole and run around the course naked. <laughs> so, oh my God, how long is one? Uh, 4:45, I believe, <laughs> is what they play it at. So, but it's got that whole right that whole right side kind of slopes down to the green. So I know players have had you know flip wedges into there, and you know I guess while we're on this on the topic of talking about Bryson that they, they went through some things today on basically some some of the longer harder holes and what Bryson was hitting into these holes and this is where so getting into this Masters it's going to be they said the course is going to play mostly the same uh they do have to so that every year I, I read this today Augusta actually closes from late May through uh early September or late late September so they're not even open at that point in the year. They open up early October and go through late May, uh, which is very opposite for us in Colorado, what we're, our normal golf season is used to. And they actually plant a rye grass over the re- original bent grass in late September. So what we're going to see 
no rain withstanding this weekend, which it's supposed to be 30 to 50% chance of rain all weekend each day, which could definitely change the way the golf course is played is they've had to water this rye grass so much in order to get it to grow in that it's going to be a lot softer. So that could benefit the longer hitters, but also with this rye grass that's growing in, they said from what I could hear from the players today and some of the analysts that they don't expect the longer shots like long fairway shots in to be that tough or be that different. I should say There's still probably the toughest in the game. This is definitely a second shot golf course, but the chips and put uh, chips and putting off the green in the short tight lies are going to be a lot tougher because it's going to be a little wetter and that ryegrass hasn't fully taken over yet. So the chipping and putting is going to be a lot tougher, uh, but getting into Bryson here real quick, this is just kind of guesses, but basically number one, he plans to hit on a 445 yard hole, a sand wedge in number two, he's had eight iron in and it's a 575 yard par five. Um, Number three, he's driving over the green with a three wood, and that's a 350 yard par four. Number eight, another long par five, 570. He's got seven iron in. Uh, number nine, a par four, he's got 460, uh, and he's got sand wedge in his hand. 10, which we talked about, 10, 11, 12 being 10 and 11 being two of the hardest holes just over par wise in the history of this tournament. He should, he said he should have a pitching wedge and a nine iron in on both of those holes at 495 and 505 yards and then 13 a very eagleable hole that has gotten a lot of players back into the tournament especially late on a sunday he's going to hit a it's par five only 510 yards but he'll have a seven iron in that's hitting three wood off the tee um and then uh 15 before after he chips out of the pine straw yeah exactly (laughs) and then 17 a par four he's gonna have a sand wedge in so it just and this is you know all all to be determined. Of course, you got to hit it straight and you got to hit it far too. But it just shows you the difference of those. Some guys are hitting eight, seven, six irons in. He has sand wedge. So if he's if he's hitting the driver well, he's gonna. I mean, there's a reason he's the favorite. I guess I should say. So but it's just crazy to see his distance and what it's like versus other players. And uh, something I brought up a little earlier, and we all know we haven't all been to a sporting event in ages but with no fans there i've also heard from some of the players that it changes some of the lines they can take because they don't have to hit over crowds or they don't have to worry about the crowd being there and they can kind of cut off more from certain holes and it'll also make but in a bad way that there's no fans there it'll also make the lies a little tougher in the rough where it's normally gets it normally gets trampled down and with no fans being there, that rough will be pretty thick as it is at Augusta, even in December or November, excuse me. But it, it's not going to be that trampled down grass where they can easily find their balls. So <clears throat> quickly, um, explain to people who, you know, it might be just hard to, you know, the difference between different courses. Why do you say this is the most difficult second shot course uh, on the tour? I think one of the it, the main reason for that and Mitchell you can pipe in on this too i think the main reason is the greens uh, compared to other tour events are not necessarily a lot smaller but a lot of the spaces you can miss around the greens if you don't hit the greens is death like number 9 for instance is a perfect example it as it goes up the fairway and up to the green it's it, basically if you don't hit the green there it, depending upon where the pin is any front pins which they have usually on thursday or friday you're probably not even making par because it's such a tough uphill chip and you have to get it all the way up there on the green. And then you want, if you're, if you don't, and it rolls all the way down, your, your chip is it's a short sided up, you know, flop shot with these tougher lies that we're going to have this year in tougher grass. It's not as easy to get up and down. So. And I think that illuminates why, Oh, Mitch, did you want to add anything to that? Oh yeah. I was just going to say, I agree. And I, I think, kind of touching a little bit on Bryson and how these how tough the greens are at Augusta. I think it's going to be a kind of a test of patience for him because if he's got all these flip wedges in, he's not going to be able to attack every flag. That's the problem out there is it somewhat neutralizes distance a little bit. I mean, sure having like 100 yards versus 160 is a big difference, but there's guys that are going to have 100 yards and he's going to have 50. Like, I, I don't know how well it's going to serve him to have flip wedges into some of these holes if he's short shot, if he's got a real tough shot ahead of him. And like Spencer said, the 
the course conditions and the the wetness of the course could neutralize some of that if the greens are real soft. But if the greens are firm, which I anticipate they will be, Bryson's gonna be making a lot of pars from 70, 50 yards, you know, and that that's very frustrating as a a player. And I'm sure he's gotten used to it. But I mean, you look historically at the the Masters scores. Maybe there's been I think one, maybe two in the last 20 years that went below uh, 20 under. So generally speaking, the the winning score is around 10 to 15 under par. So for tour guys standards, I mean, it, it doesn't, Augusta never plays like a U.S. Open. It's never that treacherous, but these guys are only going out and shooting maybe three, four under a day. And Bryson is going to have so many looks that it's really going to be a test of like will and patience for him to pick his spots and be like, okay, I have 50 yards in, but I can't aim at this flag because if I miss hit it an iota of uh, like, if I miss it one groove low or whatever, it's a instant bogey, maybe double bogey. So I think that's going to be a real challenge for him. But like Spence said, those, these greens at Augusta are like, like no other. And, and I was actually going over the, the course layout today. Um, and there's at least a handful of holes where you have to shape it one way off the tee and shape it the other way on your approach shot in order to get a favorable bounce off the slope or where to play the fat part of the green. It's ideally you're shaping it one way off the tee and another way into the green. So it, it really is a test for a lot of these guys to their, their shot shaping and their, their just control over their ball flight in general. Yeah, but I think going back to this being such a difficult second shot golf course, it's why Bryson is the heavy favorite. It's why everyone is worried about what he might be able to do to this course. Because like you mentioned, Spencer, he's never going to have to reach deeper into his bag than a seven iron all week, you know, if he's hitting the ball well off the tee. And that just, I mean, that's just crazy. You know, these, these perfect, like these courses that they play on the tour are built to make these, uh, to challenge these guys, make them hit every club in their bag. And he doesn't have to go longer than a seven iron all week. Yeah. the fu- I saw a funny tweet today that was like, Bryson DeChambeau is going to try to become the first player at Augusta to win at Augusta since Zach Johnson hitting wedges into all the par fives. And then the funny <laughs> joke about that is Zach Johnson, that's his third shot. Like right, when he won right. it. And they were one over, you know, that was his third shot. He was one over and won it in, I believe, 07. And yeah. he, he was literally hitting wedge at third. You know, he was laying up on every par five because some of the interesting creeks that go through there where you, if you don't, if you can't get it all the way there, you're better off laying back and trying to make, make four rather than hitting it on the green and trying to make it three. Yeah. It's just, it's going to be really interesting. I'm worried. I'm worried about Bryson because, I just think, you know, this could be one of those like breakthrough moments for the game where it's like, okay, we might have to change something because Bryson just went and tore up Augusta. You know, there there was a time there where they were quote unquote tiger proofing courses because they didn't want Tiger to just come through there and mop up. Um, and so I hope it doesn't happen um, because that there's so much hype around it. But I hope that Bryson doesn't just bomb 390 yard drives all week uh and just tear apart the course and shoot 25 under and win um and i don't think it will but i'm worried about if it does because it's gonna it's gonna it'll change the game like winning at you know these little tournaments is very different than going and tearing up augusta real quickly though and somebody brought this up today everybody also forgets he's the defending us open champion like he he literally won the last major that was played so it, it a lot of people forget about that. They're like, oh, shit. Yeah, he did just win the US Open. So I, I think, I like you said, RK, I think he'll get a little greedy in some spots where he's just licking his chops. Like, I think the benefit of being some of these other guys is they know that there's going to be holes they just need to make four on. But when you drive it that far, you think you can make three on every par four. You think you can possibly make a three on every par five. You know, so you, I think he's eventually, and I could be wrong, you know, that's, it's going to really come down to his second shots. Like obviously his, his driving of the ball is going to be huge, but if he missteps, Augusta's is going to jump up and claw him pretty good. So I, I, 
I would agree with you. I don't think it's going to happen, but there is that possibility. And it, it is kind of alarming because there's really nothing you can do. I mean, you can't, you can't make Augusta, you can't redesign Augusta for Bryson DeChambeau because even if you make it 8,000 yards, he's still going to win. <laughs> like if, if he wins this week, he can win from any distance because he hits it longer than anyone. So you have to somehow make it tougher on him. But like we talked about before, too, his driving accuracy is off the charts, especially for how how far he hits it. So it's not like he's spraying it all over God's green earth. I mean, he's hitting a shitload of fairways, and he's hitting it 370, 380. Like, it's unlike anything golf has seen before, even with Tiger. So I, I think we're kind of approaching a, a different era of golf. And I, I agree with you, Ryan. I really hope it doesn't get to that point after this week. But, you know, that's the beauty of it. They all got to go out there and play 72 holes. So, Yeah, well, and I think something you said, Mitchell, that brought up an interesting point and, and just thinking about the past winners. Of course, you're going to have winners of every tournament that there these models can't predict, right? There's all these golf models of guys hitting certain shots or guys that fade the ball, play better at these courses or guys that putt really well, play really well at these courses, et cetera. But what you said about shot shaping is if you look at some of the guys that have won here, especially guys that have won multiple times, the first two that pop into my mind from when I've been watching golf are Bubba Watson and Tiger Woods. And those two both are clinically insane at shot shaping the ball any which way they can. And that one, that Bubba won, I saw a shot tracer of him today. I think it was on the playoff hole. He hit a gap wedge, a 160-yard gap wedge that curled 60 yards. And just shots like that, like you said, it, it's so important to be able to shot shape. And that's something that, you know, I'm I'm okay at compared to these guys. I'm a, I'm a rookie. But when you get to when you're just a normal golfer, you just, you're starting golf or you've just played for a few years, you don't even consider shot shaping. You just know your ball slices or your ball hooks and you try to play it. But that's how great these guys are is that they can hit a 15, 20 yard cut off the tee because it calls for it. But then when you got to hit a 10, 15 yard draw into the green with an eight iron, they can just step up and do that as well too. So, I mean, even watching those guys today, uh, skipping it across the pond, they're like drawing it and skipping it at the same time because that's the best way to get back to that flag. And it's just like these guys are on such a different level than me. You know, like I, it's just it's unbelievable. <laughs> it's obvious, but like you just see them do something like that. They're literally shaping the ball while skipping it across a pond. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. it's it's unbelievable that these what these guys can do. And let's talk about that today. So we had a hole in a hole in one from John Rom today, skipping it across the pond at sixteen on his birthday, his 26th birthday. And he also made a hole in one in the practice round yesterday on four. So while everybody th- is thinking, Oh, bet the farm on John Rom, I'm going to go with a, a opposite take here. I'm going to go with a, a piping hot take. And it, as we know this year, there will, there's no par three challenge, right? So every year there's a par three challenge on Wednesday. They skip the balls. They play it. The par three challenge winner has never won the masters. Not yep. once. And so I'm going to go out on a limb and say John Rahm, after this little par three challenge dominance that he's had the last two days, is not even going to make the cut this weekend. <laughs> Ooh, yeah. I mean, it's definitely a possibility. He he does like to fade the ball. And I, I think, like you were just saying, Spence, this Augusta is unlike any other course in the way of it absolutely is advantageous for a right-handed player to play a draw on this golf course. I was doing that course overview today. I was just looking, kind of refreshing all the holes. And I counted 10 holes that you need to work the ball right to left in the air. Get No questions asked. Like, there's no two ways about it. And you look at the start of that back nine. I mean, 10 and 11 must draw. Or for lefty, like well, Bubba comes to mind, you must fade it. Like, yeah, well, Bubba, so, the, Bubba and Phil have one here uh, quite a bit, and they both hit a cut off the tee, generally speaking. Well, th- yeah, that's what I'm saying. So they move, it right to, yeah, they move it right to left, and it really is advantageous. And once we get into our picks, I'm kind of rolling with that. Like, there is certain guys that are not built to win this tournament. Like, 
first of all, you have to be at least average distance. And second of all, you have to be able to hit a draw. And John Rahm has been playing a fade basically since he got out on tour. And it you try to cut some of these uh, corners and there's so many big trees and bunkers perfectly placed that if if you're not hitting in the perfect spot, then you could end up making five right off the bat. You already know you're you're making bogey at the best. So I I do think that like you said, Spencer, this this place does play into some people's hands. And although the the wetness and I'm actually watching the live stream at Augusta right now, it's already raining there right now. So it's gonna be I mean, it may be able to dry out a little bit tomorrow, but it's going to be wet. So it, it could neutralize some of the guys and kind of take the, the short hitters out of play. But overall, they're like even I was going to say Tiger back in his heyday when he was winning all the Masters, when he won, what does he have, five green jackets? Five, when he yeah. won When he won basically all four um, in the early to mid-2000s, he was playing a draw he was working a right to left and then he got Hank Haney and uh, Hank Haney as a swing coach. And it basically all went to shit from there for him. So now, I mean, he is working the ball left to right off the tee more often than he ever has in his career. And, but Tiger's an outlier, you know, it he could hit a tee shot three feet off the ground all the way around Augusta and probably be fine. You know, like he's just that good. So he's an outlier, but for a lot of these guys, they know they don't have a chance right off the bat. Like it just doesn't suit their game. So real quick, John Rom to miss the cut plus four seventy five at DraftKings Sportsbook. Ooh. All right. I like it. <laughs> I'm gonna be taking that for sure. I think he does he have better I think he has better odds to top ten than he does to miss the cut. Let me look. Uh, John Rom top ten is just plus one twenty. So <laughs> they're that, saying no, basically there's... a lock to make top ten. A massive underdog to miss the cut. See, there's no value there. I no. if if you listen to this podcast and you bet golf at all, don't take this action of my, especially minus odds with Deshambo to top ten. Like you never know what's going to happen. You. That's the fun thing about betting on golf is all these fat odds you can take. And we'll get into that. I don't know. Uh, Spencer, should we get into our uh, our picks for the week and a couple of dark horses potentially? Yeah, we might as well do that. So uh, uh, the only... let's, let's have Ryan. Ryan, do you have a couple of picks for us? Oh, of course. Um, <laughs> I hate, you know, obviously this guy likes to hit the ball left to right, but he's my guy. So I have to mention his name. Colin Morikawa, uh, <laughs> second shot golf course, second shot golfer. Uh, Morikawa is I as good as anyone. Morikawa, as good as anyone uh, from the fairway to the green. So uh, I, he, I'm putting him in my lineup every week, no matter what, uh, because he's my guy. No, I, I respect that's that. I think the ride. only thing, the only thing that hurts him that I've noticed just by looking at future or past winners of Augusta is this. I, I believe this is his first time here. Um, so that will play into it a little bit. A lot of the players that have won here a lot have played, you know, I think J- Jack Nicholas played here some like 44 years, you know, Tigers in his 20 plus years of playing here, not saying Tigers going to win. Um, but there, there is a little bit to be said about this course and, and being here and being able to play it before. But like you said, second shot golf course, Morikawa is one of the better guys in the game at that. So what are his odds to win? Are, are you top 10 in him? His odds to win are plus thirty five hundred, uh, which is pretty nice, thirty five to one. Oh, um, for sure. And then the other guy that I really like, who's right in this area, who's also one of my guys, but I also think uh, is well suited to play well here, which is uh, Tony Finau. Oh my God, Ryan, you're the <laughs> what? whatever. I have a, a future slip right here with Tony Finau's name on it. There we go. That's good. Uh, okay, I guess I guess I, we'll roll with the same picks. But yes, Finau is coming up. He's top ten here. His last two starts. Um, he's not in great form right now, but the dude knows the golf course. He bombs it. He can work it both ways. So yeah, he can't he definitely... break his ankle in the par three challenge this year. 
Yeah, yeah. Keep keep the ankle upright. That might benefit him to cancel the part three challenge this year. Um, another guy kind of along the lines of your Colin Morikawa pick um, that I really – I just like the guy, and he's hilarious if you've ever seen him on video, uh, just commentate his own golf. And he just seems – a lot of people think he's an, an idiot, and I love that because I kind of am also an idiot. Um, but Tyrrell Hatton – I also bet on him. Um, he nothing jumps out at you with his stats. He but he's top fifty in total driving, top fifty in uh or top fifty in strokes gain driving, top fifty in strokes gain tee to green, and top fifty putting uh, strokes gained. So he's really solid all the way around. He does like to play a fade, which will be a challenge for him. But he is in good form. He's won a few times this year. Um, and he just finished T5 in Houston, so he's playing really well. And I don't know, it could be one of those kind of serendipitous moments where he comes out of nowhere. And I I personally love I, – I know I'm a different kind of golf fan, but I love seeing somebody kind of come out of the woodwork and, and win a big tournament like this. I'm, And I know it's great for the game of golf when Tiger wins or uh, a big name like that wins, but I think it's so cool because – it truly is a, a once in a lifetime moment for these guys to to change change their lives, you know, win a major and especially at Augusta. Um, it it's just something else. So I think Tyrrell Hatton could do it, but Tony Finau. So I got Tony. Let's see. Tony was plus uh, twenty eight hundred. So I got twenty five on him to win seven twenty five, and then I've got uh, twenty five on Hatton at plus plus 2200 so um doing 575 so i do feel pretty good about both of those picks i don't love that Tyrrell fades it off the off the tee but he's his game's just solid all around he's good for him so that's why i'm rolling with him yeah so on DraftKings sportsbook you can get Tyrrell hatton at plus 2500 to win the tournament and then Tony Finau at plus 3,300. So pretty solid odds both for both of those guys who, uh, like you said, Tony's had a pretty good career here. He hits it the right way, hits it long as well. Um, all right, so some of my picks, I'm going to go, I'm going to give you guys a top 10, a top five, and then two winning picks. Only one oh, of these guys can win. So I expect I to go say, three only four. one winner. But... <laughs> All right, I'm going to stop. I'll start with my top 10. So this guy's at plus 550 to be in the top 10. Cameron Smith. Uh, he's made 10 consecutive cuts currently. Uh, he had a T4 at the Zozo Championship. Um, the only reason I'm a bit nervous about Smith is how we've talked about this is a, you know, you got to drive the ball well here and hit the ball kind of far. He's going to have to rely on his putter. He's 157th on the tour in strokes gained off the tee. Um, but he's, this is kind of a silly stat because people think all these are makeable, but he's first on tour in putts from three and four feet, which sounds like I said, sounds silly, but at Augusta, especially this week where if it's windy and rainy stroke scores could be a little lower, well, higher, I should say a little closer to even par, like maybe five, six, seven, eight under, he could be a guy that sneaks into the top 10 around even par one or two under because he's so good at putting, um, from three and four feet. He's also number one on tour and putting from 10 feet. Uh, he's made the cut in all three masters he's played in. So that's kind of a fun fact. You making the cut, you're already, you know, if you make the cut at this point this year, you're top 50. So you've got a one in five shot at being top 10. If you make the cut and he was a T five here in 2018. So that's my pick for top 10 Cameron Smith. Um, my pick for a top five, I don't like this dude at all, but he just constantly plays well here at Augusta. We talked about him a little earlier, Bubba Watson. Uh, he's got 12 career tour wins, and seven of them have come at, come at three different courses, and he's won at Augusta twice. Um, he's leading the tour in strokes gained tee to green in the last four months, uh, so that's a good, basically a good tell of – from before he gets on the green, he's not the greatest putter, but getting to the green, he's right now leading the tour in, in strokes gained. So that's my pick for a top five. He's plus 600 to be in the top five. So, you know, a little 10 to win 60, 100 to win 600. Um, my two picks to win it. So this first guy, I'm going to 
pick him. I, I put my bet in for him to win it, but I'm also going to sprinkle top 10 just because I feel like he's got a really solid shot at it is Paul Casey. He's plus 8,000 to win the tournament. Um, he's becoming a much better driver of the golf ball. That used to be his kind of hindrance, I guess, to playing in a lot of big tournaments, especially ones like this. He's, he's 15th in strokes gained T to green this year. Um, He's ninth in strokes gained on approach shots, which if you know Paul Casey's game, you ever watched him, he is a second shot player, much like Colin Morikawa, which this course does require. Um, good second shot player will always do fairly well at Augusta. Um, he's played in the Masters. This will be his 17th straight year or 16th straight year, 17th actually, from 04 till now. Um, and, he, and from 2015 to 2017, he finished no worse than sixth. So, um, he's played well here. He's hasn't been great as of late, which is something we always look at when you're betting golf. All right. You look at how well does that player play at the course and how well are they playing now? That's usually a good formula for how they're going to do it any given tournament. But the masters is one of those things, especially late in November where we don't really know, you know, like people have been playing random tournaments and this has been a random year. So not everybody's in the same form. Um, so him in the top 10 is five fifty, And, uh, my number one pick to win it, and I'm feeling really good about this. The closer and closer we get, he is going to finally get his career grand slam, Rory McIlroy, wow. um, plus thirteen hundred. Um, he's not playing great by his standards right now, um, but he hasn't finished outside the top twenty in his last five starts. So he's playing okay. He's got the longest active cut streak in on tour. Um, and last year, right around this time in November of 19, he won at the Shan Shan National in China. And everybody's like, why does that matter? Um, they, I read a, read an article today on like the courses that most relate to Augusta. And there was a, and that was one of them that was up there where just the way they play and he won there last year. So uh, my pick plus 1300, I believe Rory McIlroy overcomes the demons. And that's another thing that I think is going to be huge for him is having no crowd there. It's just going to kind of be them in the golf course. Whereas when he started his fall, I, I what year was that? Do you guys remember what year that was where he was leading by a massive amount? And then, I'm going to say like 2016. Yeah, I it think was, it was before that. I think it was 2013. Really? Jeez. Yeah, it, it was a while back. It, it, he was still rocking Oakley stuff. He was, it, it was, he was titleist Oakley at that point. So I think, I think it was maybe 2013, 2014, but then, he came and stomped on everyone's throats the next uh, major at Congress, uh, the U.S. Open at Congressional. I do want to say that was 2013-2014, but yeah, I, I, are you going in the area, Spencer, of the crowd kind of got to him a little bit when he started missing those few short putts? Yeah, well, just like the, oh, from the crowd, and then when he started hitting exactly. it in the raised creek and, and hitting, you know, when you're hitting it everywhere and the crowd is just kind of like, you've got that tense feeling over you and mm -hmm. the crowd brings, you know, it's just like in a, in a Nuggets game or an Avs game, Broncos game, when the crowd's going crazy, sometimes the players seem to just play better. Like when the Nuggets are going down for a fast break and they're already, momentum's already on their side and a three goes up and the crowd's just like ready to explode, sometimes it feels like there's no way that shot misses but it can go the opposite way when the crowd's getting really tense and players miss shot after shot after shot, um, or you're getting booed, <laughs> whatever that may be, you know, you can kind of feel that pressure and you can either react positively or negatively to it. And I think it really affected Rory negatively in that masters that he kind of pissed away. So. Yeah. I'm super worried about that. Like just with him, I don't know. I just feel like <clears throat> I know how I am and I realize these guys are much, much better golfers than me, but like, when I step up to a hole, I remember what I did. Like, I know that hole, you know, like, like, you know, I, I just started playing the Valley of Fun this year, but nine and 18, like this goes the other way, but like nine and 18, like I just birdie those. And so I walk up to the hole and I'm just like, I'm birdieing this. And it goes the other way too. Like uh, the last like three times I've played 17, I've, I've, missed like i've ended up losing my ball and <laughs> now that's just in my head when i get there and i just feel like that's just human nature now uh, these guys again are much better at controlling their mental state uh when it comes to golf because that's what they do for a living but still i just think that there's certain courses where you just they're like there's no way you can get those demons out of your head unless you win and so maybe that happens th this year but i i worry about that with rory 
I totally agree with you there. I I definitely think Rory Rory's kind of a little too on the nose for me to pick him. You know, like Rory and Tiger, everybody would love to see one of those two win. But I do have a dark horse real quick to throw out for you fellas. And Spencer, you do a quick research because I, I looked at some different odds on some different guys. But Bernd Wiesberger, the Austrian, um, notable drawer of the golf ball, his odds are through the roof. Um, I think he's somewhere in the plus like eight to 10,000 range to win it, to win it. He's plus 25,000. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. I, I saw 200 to one and I was like, that can't be right. But the dude is top 40 in the world. I mean, he, a lot of people don't know that name and I don't know if, if handicappers in Vegas have been slow on their homework, but the dude's been winning over in Europe this summer and been playing really good golf so it's it might not be on the pga tour but uh the guy notable drawer of the golf ball like i said the guy it's a big sling and hook um and he's just real solid all the way around he drives it a little bit above average distance wise but at that odds you can't tell me you're not gonna throw a five on that you know what i'm saying like, yeah and he's plus four thousand to make the top five plus fourteen hundred to make the top ten so that's value on value right there. That's just making you money. So that's a, yeah. that's a fun one. Yeah. That's, that's my dark horse for the, uh, for the tournament. And I, I I'm kind of like an e- even Ian Poulter. I mean, he doesn't have a great history at Augusta, but his odds are so huge. And I kind of have a soft spot for some European tour guys. Cause growing up when I was really getting into golf, I'd wake up every morning and watch the European tour. So I really grew to like Paul Casey, Luke Donald, Lee Westwood, Ian Poulter, and so some of these guys I just I really like, and and I've been following Bert uh, Wiesberger for quite a while now, and he's just got a real solid all around game. He's got seven wins on the European Tour. Um, I know he's he's gotten close to winning on the PGA Tour, but really with 2020, um, has anything really gone to plan this year? Like it seems like it's just one unsuspecting thing after another. So what better way than to have a guy come out of nowhere at plus 25,000 and win this golf tournament. I just, I, I think this year is more of a possibility than ever for somebody to come out of nowhere and win it. So a couple more for me. Uh, One, I'll just admit it. I'm going to put 10 on Bryson because I don't want to sit there grinding my teeth all weekend. If he actually does go off Um, like I'll, I'll just, you know, take my, I'll, I'll take my medicine. I'll hope that he loses, but if he just somehow ends up tearing the course apart, I at least want to benefit from it. Um, and then I like JT as well. Um, I just, he's so, he, he's so good at when he gets on, I don't know if there's anyone like him right now with, with short club in his hand. Uh, and then you, you talk about long shots. Here is my super, Longest shot you can have. Two lefties have won, right, in recent years uh, in Phil and Bubba. How about Mike Weir? Oh, my God. I was going to say, don't. 150,000. <laughs> Dude, he's he can't hit it out of his own shadow, bro. He hits it shorter <laughs> than I do. With I bet I hit three wood by him. Like, I, I love the enthusiasm and I love the value, but. I would not put five cents on that dude. He hasn't made a, <laughs> he has not made a cut on the PGA Tour in like fifteen years, bro. He's, dude, it's one dollar to win fifteen hundred. Yeah, you, you, do you know what you could do with that one dollar? You could get a fucking Hershey bar, and that'd give you way more, way more in return. Yeah, way more value than uh, what you'd be. Well, right when you said lefty, I'm like, is he going Mike Weir, dude? That guy hasn't been relevant since like. I was in diapers, so that's uh. I just can't yeah. get over the value plus one hundred and fifty thousand. <laughs> I don't even think I've ever seen that. I think Jack Nicholas had would have better odds at winning the the tournament <laughs> if he was participating. Uh, that's Unbelievable! Amazing. Unbelievable! Well, Spencer, do you have any dark horses for us? I I don't. I didn't look I didn't look too far. I was just focused on my guys in the top ten. Um I know a guy I don't think he can't win it. It's just not gonna happen. Um but a guy that could sneak into the top ten and he's plus 
2,800 to just be top 10. He always plays well here, Bernhard Langer, the German. Mm. Um, he just he's just seemed to – why are you looking at me like that? Dude, he's 65. <laughs> he's, not, he's not top 10 bro. My God, I'm giving you a legit – I gave you Burnt Wiesberger. He's 35 years old. He hits it. <laughs> Fucking Ryan comes out of left field with Mike Weir, <laughs> who can't hit it 220. And then Spencer gives me the senior tour player of the year from 2007. <laughs> My God. What is this turning into? I thought we were trying to give good picks. <laughs> hey, dude. Bernhard Langer's played good here, man. He knows it. Yeah, He's- 30 years ago. <laughs> Literally, say, I bet he they, played good like 30 years ago here. Kind of speaking on that, they asked Tiger today. It was kind of a disrespectful question. He kind of gave that look and that answer. But they basically asked him, they're like, so you being, you know, I think, what is he, 44 now, 43? I think he's 43. What's that, Izzy? I think so he's like 46. They were like, do you expect to compete here? And he's like, I just won here last year. Like basically they yeah. asked him like, as he gets older, if he expects to compete and he was like, yeah, um, I do. I expect to compete. He's the best golfer ever. Like he expects to compete every tournament he's in until he's six. That's a different subject for a different time, but yeah, exactly. What well, do you I know about, I... uh, what do you know about jazz? Jenna, what nude? Jenna. It's like, yeah, Jenna, what I, I know. Well, so there, for a lot of people who don't know, there is a few different ways to get exemptions into the Masters. Um, you can win the U.S. Amateur. You can win the the most obscure one that you can get into. Is it like Jazz Prima Watt or something? Like, I mean, there's I think there's Janawadanand. Like Janawadanand. Yeah, there's like twelve syllables in there. But uh, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, we'll just call him Jazzy J. Yes. Well, yeah, yes. Yeah. Jazzy J. Well, let's let's low key root for him just because I want to say that. But um, how can I he, not put ten down on him at plus seventy five thousand with a nickname <laughs> like Jazzy J? That's basically like buying Bitcoin at five cents. It's, it's just gonna <laughs> skyrocket from there. It's, exactly. <laughs> but uh, um, I think well, so he's actually a pro. <laughs> he's he's a pretty obscure pro, but. Um, well, he's playing in the Masters, so he's not that obscure. But uh, you can win, I think it's the Asian Amateur, and you get an exemption into uh, Augusta. I don't know, do you guys remember a few years back, there was a, a young, like, I think he was Chinese, um, and he got a, an exemption through winning, like, the Asian Amateur, and he was the first one to ever get penalized for slow play. Do you guys remember that? He was like I one know. or two under on a Friday, and it was like the feel-good story of the Masters. And he was a pretty slow player, um, but everybody was playing slow. And the rules official came out and gave him a two-stroke penalty. And it was like the first time anybody had ever gotten penalized for slow play. And it was this kid who I think he was legitimately 16, and he was one or two under, um, like in the top 20 at the time or top 10. And, and that was uh, – the first time anyone had ever gotten penalized for playing slow, but that just is kind of stuck in my mind. But long story short, uh, there is a few guys in this field that really don't have a chance. And another thing that people, uh, some people may not know with the masters is if you win at some point, you get a lifetime exemption. As long as you feel, as long as you feel like you can compete, which is what Bernard Langer is doing. And, um, (laughs) Uh, a few other guys, uh, I'm trying to think, Crenshaw played in it for forever. There's, I mean, there's a handful of guys that just pl- come out and play it for the experience. Marco Mera comes Freddy to mind. Couples. Freddie Couples. Yeah, there's there's plenty of guys. I mean, Freddie Couples got a better shot than Mike Weir and, and Bernard Langer. So watch watch your tongue there with the, the most, uh, most suave man in golf right there with Freddie Couples. So uh, I looked it up. Uh, Jazzy J won the Indonesian Masters, which qualified uh, him for <laughs> the American Masters. Jazzy J, dude, that's my shit now. <laughs> uh, okay, so yeah, just just stuff like that, like the Indonesian Masters. How does that get you an exemption to the actual Masters? 
I don't know, but a lot of people are going to learn when he's in the final group on Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'd start hedging fast if I was you at that point. <laughs> I'd be taking hella action on the other side. I'd be taking that early that. cash out. <laughs> oh, man. Well, we have our dark horses. I'm yes. glad that they're all Mitchell approved. <laughs> I gave you one legitimate dark horse. They gave you two throwaways. <laughs> <laughs> 10 yeah. to win 15,000. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, exactly. Okay, that's good that's value. It's all about the value. All right, guys. Well, that is going to wrap it up for us. RK, thanks for joining us, man. It was fun. Um, we plan to talk to you guys hopefully on Sunday uh, during the final round or after the final round. We haven't decided exactly which one yet. But um, if you haven't followed us on Twitter at DNVR underscore golf, we actually bought a drone today, which will come in tomorrow. So we'll be adding some crazy cool videos with the drone. And uh, if you haven't, if you didn't see our tweet today, we also, I finally released, I was very nervous. This is one of the most nervous I've ever been. I, I've been building the Valley of Fun for a month. And uh, so that is available on PGA Tour 2K21. We also have a society, Big Drive Energy. If you guys want to join that, we are running a tournament right now through Sunday at the Valley of Fun called the Valley Open. I I blazed out on the leaderboard today with a nice 78. Um, some of the pin positions are pretty tough, and I ended up four chipping on 18. It's basically you have to chip it in from the fringe or else you're not making it on that front pin position. My bad on that. It's my first course design. But join us on that. That society is how we're going to get kind of People that want to play PGA Tour 2K21, Xbox, PS5, whatever you have, um, get some more interaction on there and have some tournaments when there's snow on the courses in Colorado. So uh, for that, I'm Big Drive Spence, Big Drive Mitch, RK. We'll talk to you guys next week. Peace.